0: Welcome in, everyone. Episode 14 of the NXU Video Podcast. I am Rusty Anderson, joined by usual co-hosts, Jeremy and Zach. How are you guys doing? Good, yeah, man. What's, What's up? Awesome. We have a special fourth uh, host today. I'm going to call him the host because he's here at the beginning with the intro. Love it. Uh, Love but it. Davis Cornegie from Passion and Passion Conferences is with us today to talk all things Passion 2023. How are you doing, Davis? Doing great. Feeling good. Awesome. Let's go. Are you, have you recovered? Have you rested up?
1: Oh yeah. Much uh, many time many hours on the couch and some good Netflix, so we're good.
0: Awesome. Oh, okay. Net what's your uh, Netflix binge right now? Um pressure cooker. It's like a cook-off show. But it's interesting. So okay.
2: Hmm. I love a I good like- cooking show. I'm gonna have to look that up.
0: I do
3: too. That's great. Awesome. Well, I'd That's like great. to
2: address the elephant in the room real quick before we get too deep into this. Uh I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. How about them dogs?
3: How about <laughs> them dogs? <laughs>
2: You so notice I, like I got a red shirt YouTube, on. I, know, I noticed okay. it already. You both are wearing red and black. It's ri- it's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing in the world. You can't escape it. It's going to be pretty insufferable for a while. Yeah, just, just you just got to get ready
3: for it. Yeah. The good news is we're going to be better next year. So I mean, jeez. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, passion twenty twenty three. Last sorry, time I think she sorry, should get sorry started. Davis. You have to deal with our like ridiculous college football stuff. So
0: yeah. Anyway. So, this is pretty fresh we're We're recording this i'm gonna out us, out out ourselves here on January thirteenth. I have no idea when this is gonna air um so, I guess we finished conference about eight days ago um so yeah, that's why I was kind of alluding to have you rested up it took it took a few days to recover for sure. there are long days, and um kind of crazy to do a three three day show in an arena with i don't know how many bands do we have seven bands, something like that yeah, um tons of speakers. It's basically a festival. That happens nonstop for three days, um, but Davis had an integral role in Passion 2023 this year. Um, stepped up to the to the plate. Uh, it's kind of late in the game, also, to kind of lead some of the production stuff. And so, um, I think what's interesting about you, Davis, is that even though you are the, I guess you're the LD, right, lighting designer, at, um, and you do a lot of set designs at Passion City Church, um, but for conference, you're the LD but you also had to hand in all the advanced work for graphics machines and pro presenters, And so we talked about video routing. So you're not just thinking about how to light stuff. You're also thinking about how do we make this entire production uh, work together from all aspects, uh, getting symphony to all the places, getting audio routed to all the places. So to, I guess how, how was that process for you this year? Was it a little different than years past? Um, just talk a little bit about that advanced side for you this year.
1: Yeah, I think um, this year was definitely more of a challenge. Getting out of just doing lighting, and you're you know coordinating which servers do we pick. How do we want to make the content because that informs what servers we get. Working with different content creators and just the, also the project management side of that process, and working with some art directors and things like that. It was um, it was a big broadening of perspective, and it was a really fun challenge. And like it, I love putting in the work to go and do it. And it was uh, I loved it actually, so it's awesome.
3: Can, oh, cool. can I ask, ask a question as a guy that's been around passion for a while, but really actually doesn't know conference, uh, like how long, or how far in advance is planning happen? Like when, when does the conference journey for like, we just had 2022. So like when, does when things start getting put together? When does the creative things start happening? Like, what does that look like?
1: We started chatting in around April with, um, Taylor, uh, Ian, myself, and Nathan Taylor, just around what do we want passion to look like this year? What steps do we want to take to make it look different? Um, and just figure out like what, what are those like gears that we want to hit? Um, and then we sort of worked up a creative brief. And once we had that creative brief, like, hey, here's some things, we here's how we can shake it up. Um, we took that to uh, Louie and Shelly, the um, Passion Conference leadership team, and sort of uh, fielded that out if they were feeling those same kind of things. So that really began around April. And then we were flushing things out all through the summer and landed on a production design around um, like August.
3: So, so what were some of those values that in that creative brief that you feel like like give the audience like people who don't understand how to plan in the way you guys do it like what what are some things or takeaways that they'd be like oh that's what they mean by creative brief or you know something like that.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with what do we want the attendee to experience. So mm. um, a lot of times, passion traditionally has had like a stage in the middle of the room, and the speakers come on, the bands are in the middle, and um, worship leaders all facing out. And we just um, sort of sat down and said, "Hey, what are some ways we want to um, change the way an attendee would experience passion? How do we want to take them on a visual journey throughout the arena? They're not looking at the same, you know, little set of the room for two days, but they're looking at different sections. They're visually going somewhere different." How do we change um, texture? was a big part of this year. We had a concrete finished stage. Traditionally, most stages are black. And so we said, hey, instead of being a dark hole in the middle of the room, how do we provide the stage being another canvas? Just those little bitty things that change the way an attendee would experience passion is really what that brief was about.
0: That's awesome. That's great. That's cool. I think it's also, it's interesting. Probably a lot of people would say, wait a minute, Louie and Shelley, the pastors of the church, are, they care? And I, um, I think that's one of the awesome things about about Louis and Shelley is they are super creative in their own right. Um, oftentimes, I'm, they're the most creative person in the room. <laughs> and, the best. Yeah, and they speak into those kind of things, and they care about it a lot. So it's 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 a great partnership. Hundred percent. Um, so I guess visual. Uh, talk us through kind of what that stage was. So Nathan Paul Taylor, right, is, was the designer of the of the show. Um, he does an ama- He does amazing stuff all over the world. Um, he's done passion, I guess, the last I don't know, twenty seventeen, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So without being able to show people pictures, do your best. So I will say this. We had a lot of meetings leading up to the event uh with different team leads and door holders and um and just and the entire camera team was on a call one time. And I'll I'll go ahead and admit personally, the staging was very difficult for me to capture just the way that it was um designed. There's a lot of different stages, which was felt really incredible to the attendee in the room. It was a big challenge for me. But every time we had one of these calls, Davis would do this sales pitch for what the stage <laughs> looked like. That was it almost, it almost changed my mind every time. So do oh, your best good, sales pitch good. right now, Davis, about what the stage uh,
1: is. Yeah. So basically, if you were to take a square and chop out a giant triangle from the middle of that square, you would end up with four triangles at each corner. And essentially, that was the stage um, where bands would be at each end of the arena, the north and the south. And then we'd have speaking on a center diamond. And that diamond would be surrounded by the audience. Um, So taking up the majority of the arena floor. Uh, And basically, there was this beautiful concrete finish. We had a a white box around the stage just providing this ambient type feel um and really just the goal was to create oneness between the stage and the audience. And it wasn't it didn't feel performance, it didn't feel award show. It just felt very natural and grounded and soft in a lot of ways. Um, we also had like these two chevron LEDs um shapes that were above that center section that had a light box underneath them too, just providing that washy light as well. So I will say, Rusty though, it was also difficult to key light like without it was okay, it was very more. difficult it, well just because like in the same way like you want the camera and like light, key lighting are so hand in hand and where you put your cameras is dependent upon how we're going to key light them and who is leading what song and just all the changes that go together we want to make sure that your camera has like it just it's such a collaborative piece that um as you were changing the plot we were trying to figure out how are we going to change how we're going to key like um each talent and worship leader
3: so, Rusty changed the plot a couple of times? Is that what I'm hearing? The camera plot?
0: Well, you start with your dream, oh, and then okay. you have, you get that's a real, realistic okay, fair, budget, <laughs> and okay. you have to yeah, hits oh, okay. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That hits in quick and hard. <laughs> um, I think that... No, that's interesting. Um, the key light part of it, it's also challenging because... I mean, I think you guys should go Google an image of Passion 2023 so you can kind of get a picture of this. But, you know, any... You know, some bands would get on stage like Sean Curran's band or Carrie and Cody, and you'd basically only have one or two frontline singers, and then you'd have their backline instrumentation. But then some other bands, mainly like Passion Band, you would have anywhere from, I don't know, six to ten frontline singers. And, and with one of the changes from Dallas to Atlanta, and Dallas we only put we only occupied one stage at a time, north or south. And then for Atlanta, to try to help engage more of, of the room, Whenever Passion Band played, we put singers on the front, South and North stages at both at all times. Um, and what's tricky about that, camera-wise, which I imagine is also tricky key light-wise, is now I have mo- more things to capture than I really can um, when it comes to cameras and key light. And you have uh, when it, when the stage is in the middle middle of the room, singers tend to look in all directions compared to if you have a stage like you know traditionally on a Sunday at church, right? behind the singers is just a wall or an led wall or, or instruments there's no crowd back there when you go into an arena and you put the stage in the middle of the floor you have a crowd 360 degrees around the singer and so there's a lot of um i which I, I i'm not a singer but i understand when you're up there you want to sing to different parts of the room so you end up spinning around a lot and uh i felt like most of the time for me on the multi-view i'm just trying to find and is, is, do i see anyone's eyes <laughs> just anyone's eyes i'll take that camera um what was that like for you key light wise? How, how did you adapt? How did you have to, you know, tackle that challenge?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, it, for the talks, it was pretty grounding. So like mm-hmm. they were in the middle of that diamond, we flipped them from four sides. Like it was super, it made sense. Um, and, but addition to what you're saying is like having 10 people on the stage, we only had 12 key light fixtures we are also having to prepare for a speaker to come up immediately out of that. And so you're moving all these follow spots to the next thing. And it's like, how do you have enough available to pick up the next element that's happening, whether it be worship or a speaker. So it became really challenging. Um, But I think, I don't know if, I think we did the best we could. Would I go back and change some things for sure. um, But the way we approached it was we, Each worship leader on the primary stage, whether it be north or south, had uh, a a key light fixture, a spotlight on them. And then we had a fill as well. So that way, when if Christian was leading a song, we know that he's looking 360 and we can't predict which camera Rusty's going to be using. There's another light to complement him. So that way you're still getting those dramatic shadows that you want in worship, but he's still able to be lit from all those different angles. Um, but for the rest of the worship leaders, they were just lit with one. So that you do feel like there's one person leading this moment. Everyone else is supporting. And then as the, as the, like the set list progressed, um, that fill light would would track different to different worship leaders. So that way, Rusty was able to capture that person as that person's leading the room.
0: Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's similar to like how we would direct cameras, right? I can't, I don't have enough cameras to put a camera on every single singer. So you, you just prioritize what you have to do, and I imagine that probably relates to a lot of people on tr- at church on Sunday or any production. You have to prioritize what you can do. You can't you can't do everything.
3: Um. So you said you had twelve key light fixtures. How did you arrive at that's how many you needed? Like I in my mind, it's like, do you, could you have used more or less? Like how do you arrive at twelve based on based on the rig design?
1: Uh yes it was a it was a combination of like what's possible what do the vendors have and then working also with um passion a you know, passion band and working with Success records going hey what are you guys anticipating how many people do you want to be on the front line and then we can go back and go hey passion will have the most so then we can go back and track hey so if we need this amount for them there's also going to be speaking and hosting us make sure we have some sort of a b rotation so that we were able to capture. Both. And it's just sort of anticipating what the programming of the event's going to be and making our best guess and then having contingencies when those best guesses don't work out.
2: Cool. And then Davis, I think one thing would, that would be cool that probably a lot of people don't realize, I'm guessing that you did not use traditional follow spots for this. Is that correct?
1: No, we, yeah, we used the, um, the Roby Robo spots. Um, and we had 12 of those. Yeah.
2: Cool. Can you, Un- go ahead and unpack that a little bit yeah. for people that don't know what that means.
1: Yeah, so basically the Robo Spot is um, it's a controller, and that controller is controlling a traditional Roby fixture. We had the Roby Fortes, and what they do is to make it a follow spot fixture. They attach a camera on the side of the light, which feeds back to the controller, and so the operator can see where that light is pointing. So if you move the light, the controller to the left, the light then goes to the left. And then what we do is we also route all those camera feeds into a multi-view that gets sent to front of house. So that way, our, the, the guys that are calling the follow spots can see which spot is on which person at what moment to make sure the light comes up on the right person at the right time.
2: Yeah, that's cool. I didn't even know y'all did the multi-view thing. That, that's, that's smart. That's, a, yeah. that's cool.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's pretty just, wild. You walk backstage and you see this little area. Yeah. It's basically looks like room's 12 tripods awesome. sitting there. Yeah. Tripods with, yeah. with like monitors in front of them. And it's like, looks like the coolest flight simulator you've ever seen basically. <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're just a bunch of people back there. And they're
1: all door holders. Like all of our passion That's city awesome. church, camera op door holders, stage team, just from all of our locations come and do that. And they, they crush it every year.
0: And so all they're doing is pointing the fixture, right?
1: Yeah. They're just pointing all it... the color. Yep. Intensity, um, zoom angle, all that is controlled by a desk at front of the house.
0: Gotcha. So walk, walk, walk us through uh, real quick. This is a lighting question. Yeah. I think it's interesting. So how many people are on your lighting team and who's doing what, and how many desks are there? So
1: there's uh two
0: desks. So we have um, basically myself,
1: which I'm controlling the primary rig and I'm also controlling D3. So that's getting us through all the programming um, rig control, to, um, music, hosting, all those kind of things. That desk is getting us through all of that visually. Then we also have another desk that Taylor Green is running, and he's doing all the follow spot intensities, color, iris, zoom based upon the stage that we're on, north, center, or south. And then we have someone else named Jacob who is making sure and calling the follow spots, going, hey, coming up next is Brad. He's going to be on the center stage, one, five, seven. Go ahead and get a position on the stairwell while worship is still happening. So he's tracking the multi view, making sure that one, five, and seven are moving over to the center stage. So Taylor Green is living in the moment, making sure who's lit up right with the primary key light. Jacob's working on what's next, and it's just sort of this A B back and forth as we move through the conference. That's cool.
0: That's cool. It's a lot to manage. Yeah. That's crazy. A Lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> I bet. All right, so I'm not sure where to go next. Let's let's um let's stay in the room. You, and talk about the how do well, you, you mention media servers? Yeah, let's get there. But what? what are the media servers hitting? Like there's an LED wall, right? So what, do you know what, the, do you remember what the kind of product that was? It was the, uh
1: it's a five mil Seiko product.
0: So okay. cool. Yeah. I had people asking me on Instagram what it was. Like I, I don't some, know you guys, I just so, saw cameras I things. And remember some people will be five mil.
3: That's like, they're used to hearing like 2.5, three point something,
0: but five mil is large, but you don't need. And this does not mean $5 million. Right. Right, and yeah. The distance between pixels, which we learned, what well, wow, we have an episode coming up. Yes, that's that will right. Dive deep into LED products. Yeah. So, it at the end of the day, it's five mil because there's uh, the audience is so far away. It's a massive room. Yeah, I mean, probably that's probably a tighter pitch than we would need in an arena. But it looked great. I mean, what was the overall raster size?
1: Oh, each each uh, chevron uh, fit into a uh, thirty eight forty by twenty one sixty. So,
0: yeah, cool we were uh cameras were all in 1080 but each so each screen was less than 1080 yeah yeah cool that's great so
3: but it, it wrapped around there wasn't any like um because oh the bottom of that led chevron was a lighting fixture not led product is that right
1: yep so we yeah, had okay. like a lighting truss inside of it that had all these jdcs on okay
3: it. what about the sides was that was that video or is that lighting as well yeah, it was a, a corner panel, actually. So it met real nice and Got it. Beautifully. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And then on the inside, you know, when people see the pictures, they'll see that there's video on the inside of the Chevron and outside. So, yeah. So you're managing how many surfaces in your mind, like, as you're, like, planning it out, how many surfaces are you managing? Or you do do you view it all as one big surface? Like, how do you think about it?
1: Yeah. It really depended upon what... We were making like when the content was being made, but we had control of every single surface. So north, south, A, B, C, D, E, F. Um, so we had each each surface individually controlled because there were some moments where we wanted that like like wrap around arena, just that big moment, and we wanted that that control.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's great. So media servers, walk us through kind of what that setup was and how you landed on it. Yeah. So
1: this year, going into passion, um, we've worked a little bit differently. Previously, we had to spec the servers and then built the content. Um, this year, we worked on the content creation first, and then made sure we had the right servers to support that content. And working with our content creators to go, "Hey, um, this is the the I guess the how much it's going to tax the machines?" And that would inform what servers we ended up getting. We uh, had the disguised GX two Cs. Um, which is basically a high-performing Notch uh, disguised server, and the reason we went with that was because the majority of Passion Music's looks were all Notch blocks. So it wasn't a piece of content that was running front to back, but it's all actually being generated in real time, and those blocks are being built and triggered and fired based upon the the music. Because in, in traditionally when it comes to Passion Conference, we don't really have a we have a set list, but we don't really have even songs a lot of the time. And as, a lot, as Passion Music is building these and creating these new songs, um, the arrangements were constantly changing. And going into this year, we said, hey, um, it's really hard to re-render content, you know, really yeah. fast. So let's find a way to generate this content in real time. And Emil Freeman um, did a lot of the art direction with a company, Natural Core, and they built this kind of scene play on these notch blocks that, be used um for most of passion music.
3: Okay, so I've I'm,
0: got a lot to unpack here. What is let's start yeah, what yeah. is <laughs> what is a notch block. Well like, before before, before you do that. Okay. I, sorry. I said, so I think I want to go That's fine. you said that you oh, we're gonna get there. But okay. first you said that this year you wanted to look at well, you wanted to figure out what content do we want to do and then how do we get the servers that can handle it. First off, why did you decide to go that route? Give mm-hmm. us some history about what happened at Passion 2022.
1: Yeah passion twenty twenty two was
0: we got to learn from our mistakes. That's okay.
1: It was it was a, it was a difficult year. Yeah. But, you know, we 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 didn't know what we didn't know, and this year was an effort to learn from those mistakes. And basically, we had a lot of server drops last year where our fr- our frames were just like the capacity of the server was just like bottoming out constantly. Every transition between songs, we had too many layers. So not only was it you know the content we have, but how it's programmed and the decisions that we made um, did not guarantee success. So we wanted to make really smart programming decisions coupled with really smart content decisions to help make sure the show was a success. Um, So we did a lot of pre-thought into how are we going to build this? How are we going to build the content? And then bringing the systems up underneath that to support that creative. So
3: you were able to do those conversations because you knew how the technology works, correct? Like I, I wouldn't be able to lead a conversation like that.
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm not super versed in disguise or content. It's, it's just conversations, and I guess learning from last year, being less, more a more spectator looking in on all of it, and then also going like, let me let's have conversations with peers and go, hey, like, what do you think about this? What mm. do you have? I guess, and it's piecemealing things together. I think leaning into the team aspect of everything is super beneficial because, I mean. There's just so much to know. And there's so many little things. Like One little thing could trigger a domino effect that you don't know about. Mm. So um, relying on people and teammates and peers and going, hey, what are your thoughts on this, I think, has been super beneficial this year. And I think we saw the fruit of that.
0: Cool. Definitely. And I love how you said – so then the the second thing I wanted to say was you kind of knew – so yes, we know that it is true that – Especially for passion music, we're writing songs up until they're writing songs in December, a lot of times, right? And so you're programming as you get drafts and as you get versions, but then things change. And so it is really difficult. There's not enough time to get a get a finalized track, send it off and get a you know, a timeline of content made that you can just run SIMT to and it'd be ready to go. That's how you do it in Touring World, because in Touring World you play the same song every night. You get the custom content created, you run the SIMPT, it works, and it's flawless. But you just have, you know, that's not gonna happen. And so instead of honestly, I think a lot of us in our industry would just be frustrated at that or say, Why can't you write the songs earlier? Why can't you change what you're doing? Instead, you took the approach of this is how we do things. So we've always done it. Let's not fight it. What can I do from a server and a content standpoint to help support that? And so you came up with a solution of. What I mean, technology has advanced in the last few years. You can do a lot of real-time graphic generation um, at, during, like, at the moment, which is pretty awesome. So I love that you just you knew what the pro- what you knew what the problem was, but instead of saying it's a problem, fix it, you took the approach of what can we do to help support this and to create a great experience. So, you know, round of applause. Awesome.
3: Yeah. Yep. So, can we so talk the solution about what not- was notch block? What notch, is a notch block. block.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, basically it's like real time after effects yeah. so it is rendering generating creating all of that content in real time
0: and it's a third it's party like the simplest way to put plug it. in for Disguise?
1: yeah basically a notch block is an export from notch like a file if you will and notch is a that,
0: software no
3: so what is notch uh,
1: yeah yeah notch is yeah so it's like it's basically a software where you can build visual looks in real time and you basically it's all node-based and it's it's so it's it's
0: it is like after effects slash it's like after effects okay. you yeah. resolve slash and it's a whole
3: bunch of things okay it's, it's, yeah but it's used inside of disguise the disguise server
1: is it like the exported block if you will like the file that is used in basically what you do is there's like exposed parameters got it and those exposed parameters are what d3 can control got it it's like hey For here it is, we wanted like really fast sleep. So we have like a speed parameter. So that's, and we can bring that speed back. And then now we're in a slower
0: part of the song. Got it. Or like contrast could be an exposed parameter, right? Yep. And so you can live interact with the iMac footage and change the contrast in real time. Or I mean, basically any kind of parameter. Yeah.
1: Well, that's like the biggest thing. Contrast saturation were the biggest things
0: that
1: have to play with all these iMac looks that we don't know how the cameras are going to be shaded, what the key light's going to be. So we're having to build all of these levers, if you will, um, that are controlled via MA, that are controlling contrast, brightness, uh, saturation, just to be able to get the look. That's all being tweaked in real time as your feeds are hitting our servers.
3: So uh, if I was a newbie to Disguise, I would also have to purchase or have access to Notch in order to accomplish the things that some of what you guys did.
1: No, no. You can completely it can play out content and images and all that kind of stuff on its own. You don't. This is just like an added an added feature that we used um, this year. Okay, cool. All
3: right. So I think I I probably know it about ten percent more. But got it.
1: Hey, plus that's 10? right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: um. So okay. So we have disguise servers. Um, you've got Notch blocks that have been created that are, that are doing a lot of the content live. We have content that you know other artists have given us. I guess speak a little bit about um how does the media server the disguise world interact with video so how many like we had a bunch of like live video inputs into disguise right so talk talk about that
1: yeah, so um Jonathan Laosi engineered this whole system, so basically what the way it works is we basically received three auxiliary feeds from you, Rusty, so it was like imag clean, it could be anything, three feeds SDI feeds from you. To hit a router on our end. And then that router breaks out and hits all the different servers. But we're also sending feeds back to Rusty. So we're sending, um, I don't even remember, I can pull it up, but we're sending, I think we're sending like two, we're sending you a 16.9, we're sending you a camera truck, um, an actual like output of what the LED looked like. Yeah. So you could have a uh, view of what that was. Um, so we're also sending you things, but we're also receiving Pro, PVP, um primary backups of those things. Um so it's just this back and forth of all these different sources that are then being broken out and hitting all the different
0: servers. So each 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 media servers had eight inputs, is that right? Which is like a yep. presenter key fill, a PvP key and fill. And then three yep. uh camera cuts. We'll call it that. It's basically the switcher was feeding three oxes. Yeah. Or At video seven. video tie lines. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the yeah, I think we had a backup. Yeah, might have a backup of so, something. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I mean, the fact that we're sending all those signals into the media servers and then redundancy on top of that um yeah, and I guess I know where to go next so you got, you got key and fill a pro presenter, yeah for lyrics
1: yes. why
0: why do it that way? Why not do like NDI or why do you need key and fill and then how, how are you i think it was really cool what you guys did with lyrics, so tell us about about that.
1: Yeah, so um basically we we then, the ProKey and Phil was used as a backup actually on the on the server side and we also had um a notch input and for lyrics. So we had a separate notch computer <laughs> generating lyrics in real time and um Emil came up with this really cool idea of these the lyrics coming on holding on another slide in ProPresenter being hit Another set of lyrics comes on and then they wipe out. And Josh built this notch block that basically holds the frame, brings another one in, wipes it out, and then wipes in the next frame on this like even odd rotation of lyrics. If that makes sense.
0: No, it um, does not, it's not make sense. To <laughs> say
1: it without without like, showing it. But um, basically we have this crazy pro template that had like all these left-right justifications. Yeah. Basically what you're doing is you're you're building it. So you hit slide one, one's on the screen. You hit slide two, two's on the screen. You hit slide three, one and two go off, and three comes up. Even on. Mm.
0: That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wish I wish that this is where mm-hmm. I wish it was a visual medium that we could show this. But yeah. We the like the, the purpose center yeah. template was so wild slippery. because you have to think if you've got these Chevron LED screens, um, you want some of the some of the content to be left justified, some of it to be right justified, depending on where you're looking, right? And so the center template was pretty cool. You had like a main text box at the bottom third that we use for broadcast. And then the template uh, was then taking that text box and mirroring it. You can do like a, da- a data link from one text box to another. And then it would reformat it to left justified. And it would also do another spot on the slide. It would reformat it to right justified. Um, and you do that for worship and for scripture. And so I didn't know this. So you had a different notch computer that was ingesting that SDI? Yep.
1: And then it was yeah, doing all the wiping and all that kind of thing. And then putting that back into
0: disguise. Back into disguise. Very cool. So yeah, basically it the purpose center was just sending static slide images. But the way you guys engineered it, it looked like every time the lyric changed, it um it's like an alpha wipe on, alpha wipe off. So it's like like animated text in real time, which was which was pretty cool.
3: Oh if someone had pitched that and the, the technical complexity that you just I would be like, no, we are not. Mm-hmm. I doing totally that. agree. Yeah. <laughs> that is like way too complicated. How did you make it simple to where it's like we can execute that? Or did you just have like super smart people, like the right people?
1: I it was here it was like here's the idea. Basically, all the only thing that I ever showed to anybody was the output of like, hey, here's what it's gonna look like and here's what it's gonna do, and then I get the way we just partner and team up with the right people to make sure that that happens. And we worked really long hours to say, Hey, this is what we promised and we're going to deliver. And, um, we were, we we made sure it happened. So, and we had backup. So if that were to fail, the not computer crashed or we had two computers on site in case that didn't like, we made sure that like the promise that we made, we were able to deliver mm. on. And yeah. if
0: it failed, you could just do lyrics like normal. You had that system yep. ready to go. But you guys also, I mean, you didn't mention this. I don't think yet, but you know, you start the whole process in April, right? And then in August, you've kind of got everything locked in. Then you start finding vendors. But you guys spend a lot of time prevising all the lighting, but yeah, also we, you integrate all the graphics as part of that, right?
1: Yeah. So we so uh, disguise and lighting are prevising at the same time, and then we're syncing up at the end of the day, going, "Hey, how is your husband playing with this? Oh, that content's sweeping here. We don't need a lighting sweep. So, like, that's too much. Like we're we're uh, assessing all that at the same time."
0: And you had door holders come in and run lyrics while you guys were prevising, so you could test all this lyric stuff out.
1: Yeah, you know, Sherry, she's so great. And like the thing about it was with the wiping, you got to get the time, you got to hit it a little bit ahead, so that way by the time the wipe is done, the audience is actually able to read and understand. Because at the end of the day, the lyrics are very functional. Yep. They're leading the room. So we didn't want to lose that piece as well in the creative.
0: All right, so um, you, you also mentioned, so we had, you had three video tie lines between the switcher to the to to the disguise servers. Um and so I think we might have mentioned this a little bit on the last podcast, but just to set the stage and from a camera standpoint, we had a video truck uh, provided by TNDV. And um so I was managing all the all the camera, camera plots. What what are we gonna, you know, camera wise video system, um, what is that gonna look like? And so we had a truck where I was sitting in, I was directing the broadcast and kind of just overseeing all cameras and giving direction as needed. But then we had another director sitting in the room on another um, panel attached to the same truck and same switcher frame. And he was doing an iMac cut at the same time that I was doing a broadcast cut. So if, imagine if you're a camera operator, you have two idiots yelling at you all the time about at what camera to take, camera one, camera all that kind of stuff. So you have two, consist, two simultaneous cuts happening in your ear. We're all sharing the same 15 cameras. Um, but the reason that we did that is so that I can focus on the experience for, for the broadcast audience, so with online streaming, but also for post-capture when, we, when the team makes music videos or we make social content or whatever. So I'm kind of overseeing just the generic capture of the event and the storytelling for the broadcast side. I can't do that and also manage the iMag in the room because the iMag, as Davis can talk about here in a minute, looks, basically looks different for every song different aspect ratios, different framing is needed, different kind of content is needed per song. Um, and so it's really essential to have a whole separate team, a TD and a director. Um, so Costin and Colton, doorholders at Passion City Church, stepped into that role. And they're at front of house with you. I think they're right beside you, actually, um, with their own switcher panel, their own multi-view. And they are cutting, IMAG, uh, cutting the iMac feeds plus two other auxes at the same time. So walk us through a little bit about how you wanted to integrate iMag into um, media servers and just kind of how that process worked out. Yes,
1: yeah, so I guess when, once that Nathan had come up with the design and, and the, the screen layout, um, Neil was working through the art direction. He sort of, we were chatting and he said, hey, just like the way this is looking is we're going to need to make sure we rely on iMag pretty heavily for this just because the screens aren't super large, but they're also, if you put a bunch of content in there, it's going to get distracting and you're not going to see. and So iMag really became the linchpin for what the visual for the event was going to look like on all the LED surfaces. Um, And then when we were working through a lot of the actual content pieces, we wanted to take different cuts to highlight different things. And to also use iMag to provide texture, not only to what was happening in the room, but to just, it's a a visual, it's it's visually interesting when you see a drummer and then a, the screen swipes over, and now it's this worship leader and it swipes back and it's another worship leader. And it's building energy, but you're also getting a bunch of different perspectives of the stage that maybe someone in the 200 level or the 300 level isn't able to get. So it's not only functional, but it's also got this this creative spin on it that I thought was super cool.
0: Yeah, and so you had like, I wish that you know, Colton did an amazing job at this, but he, you guys created a lookbook, right? And then that lookbook had yep. each band and each song that you guys had planned for and kind of like what each signal. So your IMAC cut, Ox 1, Ox 2, or whatever you want to call it, which each one need to have need, needed to have. So it could be, for example, um, down the main, sig- the main line, we want, a, a tight IMAC cut. So it could be just of worship singers, worship leaders. And then down Ox 2, we want, um, Sometimes it was a whole separate cut, like an actual cut which in, with instruments and wide shots. Or sometimes it was just an isolated camera shot of Christian or whoever was leading that song. And I, th- I thought, it, I mean, I haven't got to experience Passion in the Room in a decade, but from what I could see in the truck, it looked like you guys created an awesome experience um, where like when it was really quiet moments, it just kind of made things intimate and we could focus on a couple of the camera shots. But then the big moments you could have multiple things happening on screen um all over the screens which was which was pretty powerful um a couple of little things to interject just from a tactical standpoint
3: um so there was a not, we called it imag cut and then like OX one and OX two those were those three lines um just so everybody understands the imag cut was like a traditional camera cut that was being hap- that was happening and then you guys from a visual director standpoint could take that to the screens or take whatever's coming down those auxes to the screens. Right. And the lookbook has like really helped guide that. So like I was helping Rusty in the truck and I heard Colton's like, Hey, camera three, you're going to be live for this entire song down ox one or camera six. You're going to be live down ox two or vice versa or whatever. And then you would then communicate with the IMAG director Colton and say, Hey, I need this instead of that. Is that correct? You would be in the, real time, almost helping them get the right camera shots down the right tie lines, essentially. Is that, is that correct?
1: Yep. And the, the switcher is cutting between those for different right. moments too. So it's like, Oh, cut, 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 cut. cut, And then we're back to one. So having that all teed up. Yeah. And helpful. then
3: uh, from the, in the truck, video truck standpoint, all the cameras uh, came, all the signals came in to the truck. Um, and we were able to create tally uh, red and green tally for the camera ops based on, um, not preview and program, but based on IMAG program, um, which was ME. I don't know what ME it was, but we called it IMAG program. And then broadcast program, which was another separate ME. So those two MEs for everybody out there is like, how did camera ops manage that? Because there's literally four different ways they could be live simultaneously. Right. So uh, we were like, hey, anytime so you're if you live. saw a few camera swipes on screen, forgive us. All yes, right, we did exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. So we did uh, green for w- if you're live in the room and then red for if you're live on the broadcast. And um, so they were able to, to manage when they saw their tally light, green or red, they kind of helped give them context of where they're live at, essentially. It was a lot. It was a lot. I got one question. Uh, Backup-wise, like, what was the backup for for these servers? Like, you're basically disguise are these really massive computers that are processing video and you're I mean you're hanging every visual experience off these computers so what what did it look like how did you prepare for backup and did you have to go to a backup at a certain point in time like talk through that a little bit
1: uh yes yeah, so we had a um an understudy so basically the understudy is a is a backup disguise server that's basically on standby and the way d3 works is if one goes down it's able to know like okay something's happening here and Jonathan is making the switch on the router end, going okay. This server understudy is now taking server B's load, and everything from B gets moved over. Then Jonathan's taking that server now and replacement in that router to the that to replacing those signals with the understudy, basically.
3: So you have two computers, two disguised servers, having the same looks and same stuff essentially, and it's almost running side by side or simultaneously.
1: Well. We just had one that was understudying basically six other ones. Okay, So it would basically then take that under, and then there's, yeah.
3: And that's a dynamic, that's that's a disguise thing. They use that understudy concept. Okay, yeah. got it. Cool.
0: Yep. Did, did you ever take an understudy? No, we did oh. not. The closest we ever
1: came was we dropped to 30 frames on the server during Crowder there was all these virtual lights being generated and not that were being fired by the console. So it was real-time casting shadows live on the LED wall. And the, and the servers dropped about 30 for a second and they came back up. That's as low as we hit, never below that. Well, I was there shooting was at 24,
0: so it didn't matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you were, um,
3: you were able to see the, essentially, CPU and GPU stats and like, oh, the machine's struggling, where it's yeah. not, you know, in real time.
1: And this year we had Jonathan Leos, he basically was our server engineer. and He's monitoring all of that the whole time, like inputs, outputs, making sure, you know, all the, all the LED wall stuff is good. He's monitoring the loads and he's able to switch over backups, inputs, outputs from pro or even internally between servers with his little stream deck.
3: That's great. I mean, that's great to know because I think a lot of times it is so important. You literally have spent months designing this rig and like you got to have these backups
0: or, You just wasted a bunch of money if if a computer goes down, you know. (laughs) And I love that. It's why all that money and technology, and it still comes down to a stream deck. Yeah, for
2: sure. For control,
3: for (laughs) control, (laughs) for control. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, Yeah. That's the question I had about
0: disguise. But what else you got, Rusty? I mean, gear-wise, I feel like that's I don't know much else. I did. There was one story I didn't. Um. I don't. I didn't really tell Davis was going to tell this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. You mentioned Crowder, so I think this is an interesting interaction because I mean, we talked last week with Tony about so much about how an lighting designer and a video director need to work with each other. Um, and so I, there was a, quick, a little quick story after um, you. You mentioned key light was a challenge, right? It, it just was. There's so many people on stage, and right. people are moving, changing directions a lot. So yeah, you may have a key light on them. But it may be shooting the back of their head because they're not looking at you anymore, which is what I experienced camera wise a ton. Um, and so it, it was a struggle all conference and trying to make sure it's just difficult when you're in a room that big with that many lights and you have a camera sensor that can only handle so much dynamic range. And when you go from a blackout to like really bright lights, you got 15 cameras and you got two poor door holders in the back of the truck trying to shade all these RCPs. And so literally, it gets really bright and they got 15 cameras they got iris down so anyway things were going well and then we got to the crowder set and um man it just like all of a sudden it was like what i thought our extremes were got magnified by 10 is what it felt like like dark became extremely dark and whatever the bright the brightest look that i had seen to that point now was like 10 times brighter yeah it it was like nuke mode it was like and so boom. afterwards I just I just went up to the front of the house and was like, hey Davis, we've got to talk, man. I just because this was in Dallas when we weren't we weren't actually live broadcasting. So I was just I just said um, I hope I came came at it with the right heart. You can tell everybody if I did or did not. Okay. You did. It
1: was beautiful.
0: <laughs> but, but I just basically just said, okay, like, hey, next week when we're when we're broadcasting, I think we just have to ask the question. We have to answer the question, how much do we care about how it looks on camera? And I'm not saying it needs to look like the Oscars on camera. I'm just asking the question at what point like oh, how much care do we want to put into it on camera and i just said because like this this past set that we did with the crowder um everything just kept getting blown out like crazy and there's a lot of haze in the room and you have all this ambient light mm-hmm. sources it just looks like a big white orb um in all the wide shots and stuff and so for me from a video director i'm trying to make the rig come to life for the viewer through the camera um and make it shine well make it make it show well and so um yeah i just kind of raised the concern like you know what what can we do, or do we want to change anything? And I will say, Davis was super amazing. To, uh, in that moment, he first off he just said, you, "You basically said, man, you know, yeah, I was going a lot brighter than I had been for the previous sets. So you told me like you had originally capped it at like seventy percent, and you were pushing it to a hundred. You were you were redlining <laughs> for for the for. Crowded. I was redlining. Yeah, and I just I appreciate that you just said it. You know, you didn't like gaslight me about you know, cameras that couldn't, ca- that couldn't capture. Well, you just said you owned it and you're like, yeah, I went bright. Cause it felt, it felt right in the room. And you kind of said, I just wanted to have some fun. And honestly, that, that honest, honesty out of you, like kind of like made me take my, made me calm down a little bit. It's like, I get that. I like having fun too. Like I can totally see being in the room and you're trying to, trying to feel the room and Crowder brings so much energy and you want to push those lights. Um, So anyway, we had a very honest conversation. Davis kind of admitted, like, "Here, hey, yeah, here's what I was doing. Technically, I was going over what our limit was." And I just said, "You know, well, I wonder if we can find some kind of compromise. So, like, you know, instead of going to 100, can you go to 75?" And he was like, "How about I go to 80?" I was like, "Okay, fine. You can go to 80." Um, So yeah, it was it was a good moment of you know the video and lighting team trying to find a compromise as best we could.
1: I was I was watching it in the land, like I was making sure, and then like that. And there was a couple moments that got on and you were like, "You're blowing me out! You're blowing me out!" <laughs> it just was. I was like, "Sorry, sorry, sorry!" Pull back, pull back, pull back, pull back.
3: It
0: happens. It happens. Yep. And <laughs> the heat of the moment, you just talk loud, and it sounds like you're mad, but
3: you're not. Yeah. Crowder brings the energy like nobody else, in my opinion. I mean, it's so it's sure. like, man. Anyway. Yep. Um, Davis, uh, as we. Kind of land land the plane here. What's what was like your favorite moment um, or favorite thing, whatever uh, about this year's Passion Conference being so integral in bringing it like uh, to life and executing it? Like, what was your favorite thing? You look back and you're like, man, that was amazing.
1: I think this year, um, I love all the things that we created along the way. That was awesome. I'm super proud of the team for that. But I think more importantly, this year, like the heart in our team was just so much for our crew, our like our people that we were collaborating with, like Rusty and I, like I just I love collaborating with him through the whole event and just getting all the IMAG looks right and Colton. And just there was just collaboration across the board, all the, the whole lighting team and the Spot Ops and our Sky server programmers. Like it just really felt like a family this year. And I think I'm super proud of that. And just I think everybody brought themselves to the project, but it was collectively towards creating something that was incredible. And I think that was the foundation for passion this year. And I'm I'm super proud of that's that. That's
3: amazing. Of all the things you could have said, like the lyrics, like animated and all that stuff, you, you choose team and culture. And I think that's a testament to the way you guys operate. I felt that way too. Uh, I mentioned in the intro, uh, when we talked about passion, I guess a couple of episodes ago, I was like, yeah, the culture is amazing. And uh, so that's cool. I love that you mentioned that. It's great.
1: Yeah,
0: that's awesome. I will say that that has just happened. That's because it's that's how all the team leads wanted it to be that way, and so you have to. And for all your teams that you guys listening, like if you want your team to be that way, you have to model that and you have to allow that and give that space. And I think what that means is you can't hold on too tightly, right? Like that conversation Davis and I had. I came with an idea, but I'm willing to compromise, and Davis is the same way. And it's like I, you know, you can't you can't think that your way is the only way. Um, You have to be willing to accept some some ideas from your teammates to create that kind of culture so yeah that was awesome
3: it's great uh can people reach out to you on instagram like what's your instagram handle how how can they connect with you about like maybe further questions or or things about what's
0: happening in passion world
1: yeah i'm always down to chat it's uh, just at davis Cornegy. so super simple clean
0: How'd you get? How'd you get that? I guess you have a last name that's kind of unique. That's
3: what I'm saying. Yeah. You have a perfect name for like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No one's got this name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's
3: awesome. Uh, great. So uh, hit him up. Uh, he can share more uh, more questions and you know or, or answers about passion and technical concepts because I think what I love about this conversation is that video and lighting are are so integral in what they do together and the way you interact together both technically and philosophically. I think more and more as our church industry grows and our live in live event industry grows, it's gonna be um, more and more important. I mean this is kind of a tangent, but concerts are even using uh stylized IMAG more than in the past, you know. Sure. Fifteen years ago it was just like throw some jump backs up on a LED wall or not have a LED wall at all at a concert and just do lighting design. You know, so now LED uh, and the visual effect is so much so much more important. So I love this conversation. How will bring it all together. So, yeah. Rusty, Zach, Davis, anything else before we uh, peace out?
1: Thank you guys for having me. Like It was super awesome to get to chat with you all. And I think well, this is a ho- very helpful. Yep. And it was just awesome.
0: That no, was great. Thanks for joining us, yeah. Davis. And uh, Pressure Cooker. I'm going to go watch it on Netflix. No doubt.
1: <laughs> yes. Right. Hit it up. All right.
3: Until next time, y'all. See ya. See ya.
2: seen or heard anything from MXU, you've probably gathered that we care deeply about helping you create healthy teams. We know that you have a lot on your shoulders, but you don't have to bear it all alone. MXU can come alongside you to help you recruit volunteers and bring them on board in a healthy way. With our platforms, you gain back valuable ministry time as we take over the bulk of training from entry level to advanced concepts in audio, video, and lighting. Keeping your team healthy should be a priority at any church, and a healthier team means a healthier you. Start building a healthy team at GetMXU.com.